Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm Nicole, your breeder community lead here at Good Dog, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Melissa Farmer, an amazing member of our Good Breeder community, and we'll be discussing everything you need to know about prepping your dog for the holiday season. Later, we'll be joined by Good Dog's health and standards team, Dr. June Stella, Dr. Michael Delgado, and Dr. Nate Ritter, who will be sharing important information with us about common holiday hazards that your pet might encounter during the holiday season and how to make sure we keep our dogs safe. For any listeners that are new here, I just want to say welcome. We're so happy to have you. Good Dog is on a mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them by advocating for dog breeders, educating the public, and promoting canine health and responsible dog ownership. We're a secure and free online community created just for dog breeders, and we're committed to empowering dog breeders with technology. If you aren't yet a member of our community, we invite you to learn more about our mission and apply to join at gooddog.com slash join. So I will pass things over to Melissa to give a little bit of an introduction on herself, her background, and her breeding program. Thank you. So I'm Melissa Farmer, and our breeding is Farmer Doodles. We breed Golden Doodles, and also additionally, we've recently started breeding Bernadoodles. I've been breeding for over 15 years, and additionally, I had met my first Golden Doodle, my best friend. She introduced me to my first Golden Doodle, absolutely loved the breed. So that's how I got started. She mentored me, and currently, my children are now adults, and so my oldest daughter is joined and she is working with me, and eventually I may retire one day, and she will continue. Awesome. So just to dive right in and kick things off in the spirit of December, are there any holiday traditions that you share with your puppies, with your dogs, anything that you do every year with them that's special? Yeah, I think like most families, we buy Christmas gifts for our pets, but I would recommend that you be mindful about overindulgence in this area. Overindulgent, overstimulating them. I tend to look for quality over quantity. So I'm not just bombarding a bunch of cheap, potentially unsafe gifts and overstimulating them. So we just like to pick out one or two really nice quality products for them for their Christmas gift. And are there any gifts in particular that you think are really great for puppies that maybe you would recommend to your buyers for the holidays? Yep. The snuffle mat, that's actually one of the things that we are now sending home with our puppies. I actually work with a group of students who are on the autism spectrum. And so they're making our snuffle mats for us that I'm including into our puppy bags now. So that's a great item. You can put your little treat in. It keeps them busy. Puppies love it. Anything Kong, Nylabone, those are my favorite toys. And I pretty much stick to just those two products when I buy toys for my dogs and puppies. 
Yeah, those are all amazing ones. I love snuffle mats. Just speaking from personal experience, a few members of the Good Dog team actually shared snuffle mats with me and I am obsessed. I got one for my parents' dog for the holidays. He's a bit older and I think it's given him such a new sense of life and zest and it's just so fun to watch them search for the little pieces of kibble. So those are awesome toys. I definitely agree. Do you have any recommendations on how puppy buyers, especially new puppy buyers, can create special memories with their puppies? Let's say it's their first time celebrating the holidays together. Anything they can do to really create something special together? Families love to dress their pets. And like I have one guardian family that actually just sent me their Christmas picture. They all have their matching pajamas on, including their pups in front of their tree. So creating photo moments, I think, are a good way to capture those memories in those times. And then you can look back on your puppy when they were little. Even playing games with your puppy through the holidays as well is, I think, another good way of bonding during the holidays and creating some fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And on the topic of like holiday costumes Mm -hmm. and pajamas for dogs, I know those can get a little bit iffy, especially if they're too tight or they have little pieces on them that the dog could choke on, they can get too hot. So what are some things that you look out for with those costumes? And what would you recommend to your buyers if they're interested in any costumes or pajamas of that nature? Keep it simple. Avoid all of the balls that would be hanging off or the glitter. Just do something very simple and look for something lightweight. It doesn't have to be tight, snug, making them overly hot. I know a lot of times, too, you can get like the boots for going outside in the snow. I think that's appropriate, but you got to keep an eye on those things because they can chew them off easily. They could ingest those things. So put them on when they go outside, especially with the snow. It helps keep those snowball mats out of their coat, but remove those items. Make sure you're checking and supervising. Don't put them in their crate with their items on. Yeah, that's a huge one. And I like the point you made previously about like taking a photo in the holiday costume or sweater and then maybe after the photo, just taking it off. So the photo obviously lasts a lot longer and it's just nice to make sure we're aware of our pets and aware of what we're putting on them. So I think that sounds like a great solution. And then on the topic of holidays this year, especially... I feel like people will be actually traveling this year to see loved ones, which is very exciting, or they have guests coming and going. And while that is all really great, it can definitely be a little bit hectic for your dog, regardless of how old they are. So with your puppies, what kind of training and prep do you do with them to make sure that they don't get too overwhelmed, not just during the holidays, but in any situation where they're exposed to new people coming into their home or they're traveling? I would do it in small doses. So if you're traveling with your pet, try to maintain a similar schedule that you would at home. So make sure that wherever you land, there is a quiet place where you can continue your crate training and give them their downtime and their frequent naps that most puppies need throughout the day. Try to keep that routine going as much as possible even though you are introducing a lot of new things. So that would be helpful. Be mindful of the number of people that are introducing to your puppy at once. I actually recommend 
tethering the puppy to me. If I'm going to be out and about with several people, I'll tether the puppy's leash to me. This helps alleviate people from picking up your dog. That overhandling can be very inappropriate and grabbing of puppies can cause stress, negative associations then with people. Puppies can become irritable. Even older dogs not accustomed to crowds of family and friends can get that stress and causing diarrhea and loose stool and things like that. So keeping the puppy tethered to you, it's also appropriate to tell people not to be picking up your puppy. I just make it a rule, no picking up the puppy. Let puppy come to you and then you can pet or play with the puppy. And keep it short, you know, 20, 30 minutes is adequate for a puppy. They're going to be ready for a nap shortly after that anyway. Remove them, let them have their quiet time away from the party. Yeah, I think all that sounds great. I especially love the point you made about not being afraid to be assertive with your guests, even your own family members, and tell them, please don't pick up the puppy. Please let the puppy come to you. Also, I think the same can go for table food. I feel like sometimes it can be a little awkward and people might feel like they're the bad guy, not letting people play with their puppy, but it really is important to make sure people take you seriously and really hear your needs, hear the puppy's needs, because at the end of the day, it's all for the good of the puppy. So I love that you mentioned that people should not be afraid to be assertive. It doesn't mean that you're mean. You're still letting them pet the puppy if the puppy wants to be near them, but definitely preventing the puppy from being grabbed or any of those other horrible things that make it feel like its space is being infringed on. Right. And that leash, even if you're the type of person that has a hard time being verbally assertive and telling people no, that leash kind of does it for you. If the leash is on your puppy, you maintain that physical control. They can't pick your puppy up. It's tethered to you or you're stepping on the leash and you don't have to say anything. They just can't do it. Yeah, definitely. And then just circling back to travel tips, because people are traveling in a multitude of ways the holiday season. Do you have any specific tips for people that are traveling by cars, planes, or trains, and that might be bringing their dogs with them? The more comfortable your dog or puppy is with a crate, the easier this is going to be. So if you have your crate set up in your car, make it comfortable Put bedding in the crate because that will keep them from sliding around and they'll feel stable and secure. You could even put a cover on the crate as well. You don't have to cover it all the way, but even covering it partially can help eliminate a lot of visual stimuli if there's too much of that going on. And I only feed Prior to getting in the car, I just feed like half a meal. That way, if they're going to get car sick, then they have something on their stomach, but not a full meal is going to be on the stomach. If you're traveling long distance, you're going to want to stop periodically, let your pup have a break, get them out, have some water, potty, walk around. If it's a new puppy, you'll want to look for places where most people don't take their dogs just to help eliminate the um, potential spread of diseases or sick animals. 
Awesome. I mean, I could definitely relate to the car sickness. I get car sick myself and yeah. I know how uncomfortable it can be. And actually our dog also gets really car sick and we do the same thing. We feed him half of his breakfast before we head out and seems to really do the trick. But I think those are all great tips. Just overall making sure that the puppy is comfortable, that you're giving it a safe space, that you're tending to its needs, taking breaks. All of that seems very important. And then let's say you're on your way to grandma's house for Christmas or New Year's and you're staying with family or friends where the dog necessarily hasn't been before. How do you help the puppy settle into a new environment? Because I can imagine that might be a little scary or overwhelming. I set up a space for them, you know, where they're going to be taking up their naps. Take items from home that you can put in there as well to help, you know, like your blankets, they're going to smell like home. So that's going to be nice. Take a toy from home, you know, so those are familiar things that are going with them. And as long as your puppy is comfortable in their crate and you have that crate training part down, this part should be pretty easy because your puppy as long as they're in the crate, they should feel that security and be comfortable where you put them. I recommend when puppies go home with my families, when they do the crate training process, that they have a couple of different crates, one in different areas of the house. The travel crate is great because you can easily move it from location to location. So you're already acclimating your puppy to sleeping in different rooms, different locations, and that creates some flexibility with them. I think it is great to just make sure they have that safe feeling space yeah. so that regardless of where they are, what new environment they're in, there is that constant piece that feels like it's moving with them. So I think that's great. And when you arrive, you can do your introductions, you know, walk them around, introduce them to the new rooms or the new areas where they're going to be take them outside to the yard, let them smell around. So you're essentially giving the puppy like a house tour as soon as you get there. That's really great. I love that. (laughs) Awesome. So on the topic still of traveling and kind of the flip side, if you are traveling this holiday season, but you're not planning to bring your puppy or your dog with you, what are the top things that you would advise owners to look for when they're finding someone to watch their puppy? Very good referrals. For sure. A lot of your vets will have referrals that they can refer, but I would talk to the staff and see if they personally know these people as opposed to someone coming in and just slapping down some brochures on the desk, but yet nobody really knows them. So I would look for people that are recommended from people that you know and trust. If you have somebody come into your home I would prefer it's somebody that you actually know. I know there's a very popular website out where, what is it, like Rover or those types of apps where you can look into. You have to be cautious with those because you don't know those people. And my daughter actually used one one time and it was not a good experience. So you have to be very selective and vet people out, just like you would with uh, daycare for your child. Definitely. And I would assume during this vetting process, if Mm -hmm. let's say you found someone that seemed like a good candidate, would the next step be then to bring them to your home to meet your puppy and then kind of see how the puppy reacts to them? 
I would have them definitely come in, meet. I would have them do it more than once, too, because the more familiar your puppy is with the person, the more comfortable they're going to be. So I would set up some time where they're coming in on more than one occasion and playing with the puppy, have them take the puppy for a walk around your neighborhood, see how that goes, and then move into having them come in and either stay at your house, which would be preferable over doing visits. Yeah, definitely. It's great that I feel like the puppy by doing all that would almost know the person Mm -hmm. when the time comes for you to actually go on your trip, do your traveling, it would feel kind of familiar to the puppy, which I guess is really great. You should probably start something like that, even if you're not necessarily planning a trip, because something could come up and you have to leave town and maybe it's an emergency situation. So it would be nice if your puppy is already familiar with somebody for just in case even. That's a really great point. I actually had never thought about it that way, but it's true. Sometimes you just can't know what life's going to throw at you and what's going to come up. And I think it's great to just have that person, whoever this trusted person may be, just kind of on reserve and ready to go. So I guess we would definitely recommend that people really start doing that regardless of if you have travel plans in your future or not. I think that's an awesome idea. And then the final topic that I wanted to talk about today with you is something that I think we see come up a lot around this time of year, especially, and that's people buying puppies as holiday gifts. Mm -hmm. So either they're getting them for loved ones, sometimes they're even giving them as a quote unquote surprise to someone else. So what are some of the steps that you take as a breeder to make sure this isn't, let's say, an impulse purchase for that buyer? We have our application and we do our vetting process. If I know that it's going to be a puppy that's going to go home anywhere near that time of year, you know, we do talk about Christmas, Christmas activities. If I have somebody contact me and say, I want to buy a puppy as a surprise for my wife. No, let's talk to wife. Let's not make this be a surprise because you think your wife wants a puppy, but do you really necessarily know that your wife wants a puppy and is prepared to be that caregiver of that puppy? I definitely prefer no surprises or if they can tell me that, you know, we've already had these conversations And they're talking about how they've been preparing, they've been looking, and she's expecting that we're going to get a dog. I would be okay with that situation if I'm comfortable in that they did do this prep work already. We do not send puppies home on Christmas. I recommend that those puppies go home if they're not scheduled to go home a week or two prior to Christmas that They wait until after Christmas so that families can just enjoy their holiday and the puppies are not getting stressed by trying to acclimate to a home where everybody's being chaotic, opening gifts, and it's stressful for the puppy. So we recommend waiting. You can wrap dog items. You can have your kids unwrap pet supplies, things like that, get them prepared, and then bring a puppy home January, February, or March. I love that as a compromise because I think there's like this 
classic like holiday image in people's minds of the box with the puppy inside of it and you rip it open and there it is. But it's, I don't think realistic when you're planning on bringing a puppy into your life. I think it has to be a decision that you're making with whoever else is going to be involved in the puppy's life as well. And it doesn't really make the best environment for a surprise. So I think that's a great compromise that you can wrap up a dog toy under your tree and give it to whoever it is and say, oh, let's work together on this in the next few months and find a puppy that we both feel ready for. So I feel like that's the really great compromise and way of looking at it. Right. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing all of that information about keeping dogs safe throughout the holidays. I think it was so helpful for first-time puppy owners and also just veteran puppy owners who might need a refresher, especially as we are traveling this year for holidays again. Thank you. Join us for our third annual Breeder Appreciation Holiday Party on Wednesday, December 15th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Come together with your fellow dog breeders and the Good Dog team to celebrate all that we've accomplished this year together and close out 2021 on a celebratory note. Plus, when you register using the link in the show notes, you'll be entered to win over $10,000 in prizes, including a Joan Art Whelping Box. We can't wait to see you there and celebrate together. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. I am Dr. Michael Delgado here from Good Dogs Health Standards and Research Team. I'm here with Dr. Nate Ritter, our resident veterinarian. And today we're going to be talking about some common holiday hazards to keep in mind as you celebrate with your dogs this holiday season. Let's start with perhaps the one we see the most. A lot of us are decorating for the holidays. You might have a Christmas tree, you might have some other decorations, candles, plants. So Dr. Ritter, let's start with talking about some things people should be aware of when they're decorating for the holidays. What should people be thinking about, especially, I guess, let's start with the Christmas tree. Where could things go awry? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, you know, the tree itself, they can be large. They can be dangerous and not stable. So we need to be really careful of those trees possibly falling over with our dogs. You know, if they're interested in the ornaments or interested in the tree in general, if they get too close, knock that over, that can result in injuries. So something that we definitely want to be cognizant of. Additionally, the water trays that these trees are often in to keep them alive, we want to make sure the dogs aren't ingesting that, especially if we're using additives or anything like that into the water. Sure. Very important to keep them clear of that. And then finally, you know, not the tree itself, but like you mentioned on it, the ornaments we need to be very careful with those. A lot of us have ornate, nice ornaments that can, you know, fall off and unfortunately can cause injury. If they're ingested, it can cause issues as well. So those are definitely some things to think about when discussing the tree in particular. Okay, so let's start with the tree water. So like you mentioned, dogs might try to drink the water that you're using to keep your tree alive if you have a live tree. So one thing is, of course, making sure your dog has other sources of water that they like drinking from. But we can cover that source of water possibly, right? Like I know some of the bases of trees have like a covered enclosed watering thing, or, you know, maybe given everything you're talking about, people should consider like, how can I keep the dog maybe away from the tree in general, (laughs) which is tough, right? Like, I mean, you set up the tree and you want to enjoy it. You don't want to maybe close it off in a room where people can't look at it, but would an X pen or something similar be effective? You know, is that a solution for keeping your dog away from the base of the tree? 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, great point that you can cover that. If you aren't going to cover it, try to refrain from using additives in that water. But yes, a barrier to keep them away from not only the tree, I know we'll get into it as well with gifts and what have you, but that can definitely be an effective way. I know not the most aesthetically pleasing solution, but I guarantee you, you'd much rather have that gate up than have a problem that you're dealing with around the holidays. Okay. Maybe being selective about the ornaments you put on the tree. Like I think a lot of ornaments are glass breakables. I mean, not only do you not want your dog to cut their paws, but maybe you don't want your very nice ornaments to be broken. So maybe putting those ornaments out of the dog's reach, not at the bottom of the tree and securing your tree, right? You mentioned the tree falling over. Yeah. I typically recommend that people use something to secure the tree to a wall. So it's not (laughs) at risk of falling over, especially, I guess you have to know your dog too. You don't want to take any risks, certainly with ingesting things, but if you have maybe a more mellow dog or a smaller dog, maybe less likely to knock the tree over. Definitely. And I think, you know, these are individual circumstances. You know your pets best. And anything that we're even talking about makes you nervous. <laughs> that's worth looking into. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, depending on the breed or the size or the temperament, there's a lot of different things that you can do for the holidays in terms of handling this. Yeah, just try to cover it broadly. And generally, it's not the easiest thing to address. But yeah, take it into consideration with your specific animal. Okay. And I know that there are like covers you can get for extension cords and other electrical cords that will deter your pet from chewing on them. We certainly don't want any dogs being electrocuted from chewing through string lights or anything like that. And I know we sound kind of like fatalistic here, like, oh, it's so dangerous. But, you know, it's really just about keeping things in mind. Like you said, knowing your dog and using caution when warranted. But there are things you can put over cords that will prevent them from chewing or also don't want them to get tangled in these things. But let's talk about ingestions of things like tinsel or ribbon or even small objects, like a piece of an ornament could be a problem. And as a veterinarian, was that something that you would see in a lot of dogs? Yeah. So discussing this linear foreign bodies, more so in cats is always what comes to mind, but that Mm. of course can happen in dogs as well. And so, you know, you want to be conscientious of that. Like you said, selecting decorations, ornaments, carefully and appropriately, and then keeping them out of reach and what have you. But yeah, some of the signs that you may appreciate, unfortunately, if anything like that were to happen, you know, the inability to keep food or water down, as most often, you know, it's not just necessarily vomiting, it's regurgitation. A lot of people combine the two, use them interchangeably. That's not the case. And so when we're thinking of those two, you know, regurgitation doesn't involve the musculature in the abdomen, that kind of whole body heaving. It's oftentimes very sudden. And you appreciate that more with obstruction because the food or water not necessarily able to get down. If you're appreciating things like that, definitely let your veterinarian know. Okay. What about, do you ever see tinsel in the poop? Is that something people should be worried about or ribbons from a gift? You know, if your dog's going to eat them, like sometimes it does kind of make its way through, but maybe not all the way out. So what should you do? Yeah. So it's a great point. And so, yes, not everything will necessarily cause an obstruction. And so, you know, based on the material or the shape or what have you, you know, some of these things will be either digested or passed through luckily. And so, you know, if you do notice something missing or if you don't, it's not the most pleasant thing, but taking pictures is always helpful. (laughs) We would have plenty of people around the holidays coming in with images of stool to show us. It is helpful. So, you know, if you have any concerns, take that. But if it does seem like you know, some of the decoration that you've had, keep that in mind. Luckily, that portion passed. You want to ensure all of it has passed and make sure nothing else has remained. And that's just keeping an eye out for clinical signs. 
Okay, great. Another thing that people might not think about is just the hazards caused by like fireplaces operating or having candles around the house. I personally would not feel comfortable with a lot of burning candles around. So maybe just again, being aware of what your dog's doing, what you're doing. We don't want any dogs getting burned or causing a house fire during the holidays. Not great. So yeah, just be aware of. Now, what about fireplaces? Is that something like, should people just make sure they have a grate in front of it? Or is there anything else they need to be aware of? Yeah, screen, definitely in front of that. As we've discussed before, kind of bringing it back, know your dog. And if they're a little more curious, more of a troublemaker, you know, the holidays can be chaotic with a lot of different people, a lot of moving around, not always paying attention to the animals. So yeah, better safe than sorry is how I always feel with some of these things. And having, you know, a screen up in front, ensuring that they can't get into trouble would be wise. Okay. We hear a lot about plants that are dangerous to pets. Are there any holiday plants that we need to be aware of and what should people be worried about? Are these things that are just like deadly or is it just mm, not great if your dog ingests it, they might get an upset stomach? Yeah, it's a really good question. The ASPCA actually has a fantastic list of toxic plants for dogs. I would recommend that everyone peruse that, especially before the holiday, bringing new plants into the home. But it's also just helpful in general, to be honest, with all the house plants you have. Now, once again, I think of this more with cats than with dogs, but know your dog, their tendency to chew on plants and just those, you know, keep an eye out. But holiday specific ones, you know, people think of poinsettia, mistletoe. Those are both unfortunately toxic for dogs. Poinsettia is a little bit less so. Those cause irritation in the mouth, irritation in the stomach can cause some vomiting. The mistletoe, once again, vomiting, diarrhea, unfortunately can cause some difficulty breathing, can cause a lowered heart rate. So there's an extensive list. I don't know what everyone will have in their home, but I would definitely recommend going over that list and ensuring that you don't have anything in the house if your animal has a tendency to go after those kinds of things. Okay, so mistletoe, hang it up high if you're going to be trying to kiss anybody, but don't let your dog access it. That's the moral of the story, (laughs) because not that it'll be necessarily deadly, but certainly cause some some problems. And then on a related note, you know, we're talking about dogs eating things that they shouldn't. It seems like a lot of dogs do like to eat things that we don't want them to eat. So we've got a lot of potential for begging for table scraps, like we're having these big meals with family or friends. Certainly, we know chocolate is a problem. We know raisins are a problem, and those can be in a lot of holiday cakes that people might be making or buying or having around. So let's talk about chocolate and raisins because those seem to cause some issues. Have you had any personal experiences with these as a veterinarian or a dog owner? Let's talk about chocolate. Yeah, I'll start with the chocolate. I unfortunately growing up one Christmas, we had chocolate wrapped, still in its packaging, wrapped underneath the tree. My miniature dachshund did manage, unfortunately, to get into that. And, you know, it was multiple pounds of dark chocolate. Oh, God. (laughs) So we had, fortunately, the ASPCA poison control line on hand. We also were speaking with our veterinarian and were able, fortunately, to handle it at home. So regarding chocolate, it's something there are a variety of different kinds. It is dependent on that. So the darkest, Baker's chocolate, what have you, dark chocolate, more dangerous than the Mm. milks and white chocolates. There are calculators online that can be very helpful. If anything like that were to happen, you can enter the amount that was ingested, depending on your dog's then weight, to see what kind of signs you can expect. And if you're concerned, have your veterinarian's phone number handy. Obviously, around the holidays, they may not necessarily be open in a general practice, but there are 24-7 emergency facilities and that you can get the numbers of as well if you need to call. And once again, like we mentioned, the poison control line. And so there are a variety of different signs that may be seen. You can handle some of them at home, fortunately, but they'll let you know if anything more severe needs to be handled. Regarding the raisins, 
a little bit trickier. So unfortunately, not necessarily dependent on amount or dog size. Haven't been able to necessarily discover why raisins cause this kidney failure, but it can be you know, as much as one raisin for a really big dog can cause that to occur, unfortunately. And then you can have maybe a small little guy that can ingest a bunch of them and not have any problems. And so just one raisin, unfortunately, is enough to warrant treatment. And so be definitely be very, very cautious with those. Okay, good to know. And just for everybody listening, if you need the ASPCA poison control hotline, let's give them the number. It's 888-426-4435. So once again, that's 888 888- Four two six four four three five. Have that number handy just in case you've got a curious dog eating something they shouldn't. What can people expect when they call the poison control hotline that the ASPCA does? So it's a fantastic service. And what will happen is you'll be hooked up with a toxicologist who will instruct you, you know, on what may be necessary based on what was ingested. And the nice thing about this service is that a case number will be given to you. So if it is recommended that you go after further treatment with your veterinarian, that they can then reference that case number and call in. I've had plenty of cases where I have been able to call and work with a toxicologist as I'm treating in the clinic. So definitely very helpful. Um, There may be a cost associated, so keep that in mind. But of course, that's something that we would all willingly definitely pay in order to make sure our guys are taken care of. Yep. Okay. So in general, I think people should just keep an eye on your dogs. Make sure you don't leave chocolate and raisins laying around where they can access them. And stick to the dog food, the dog treats, and some of the human foods that we know are safe, like, you know, unseasoned veggies and that sort of thing. And there's certainly lots of information online about what treats are safe. But the safest thing to do is feed your dog dog treats and dog food and keep them out of the chocolate. (laughs) And have that conversation with everyone that comes. I know it's not most comfortable when you have family members. I've certainly, unfortunately, scolded my fair share. (laughs) My dog has got a particularly sensitive stomach, so Mm -hmm. I'm well aware of the repercussions and what I might end up dealing with later. Sure. So have that discussion ahead of time, especially if you have younger children that are coming and may not know any better. Have that discussion. Let them know what may be appropriate to give. Like you mentioned, you can have some things set aside that they can give them that they will still enjoy. And I'm sure we'll get into it with table scratch and what have you, but you know, definitely a conversation that's worth having at the beginning of the evening. Sometimes it's hard to resist those cute begging doggy faces. It is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, probably the last thing we can touch on is just stresses around the holiday. All right. So we've talked a lot about chocolate and raisins as potential hazards. I think sometimes people don't think about like maybe table scraps and what the impact can be of feeding like fatty food to your dogs or things that they're not used to eating. So do you have any thoughts on what we should be doing about table scraps or what the possible harms are from feeding too many table scraps. Definitely. And I'll touch back just quickly. One more point with the food, something that comes up, you know, the table scraps, as much as we say to have that conversation and to only offer dog food and treats, we all know other things do take place. And so something that comes along, especially with the holidays, something called pancreatitis. Mm. Definitely something I want to touch on. It's important. The pancreas, it's a digestive organ that releases enzymes into the intestine that help with digestion. And so what happens with pancreatitis, it's inflammation of that pancreas. And so these enzymes get released prematurely while it's still in the pancreas rather than in the intestine, causes inflammation. It's very uncomfortable for these guys. There's no size, breed, predisposition can happen to any of these guys. You want to be careful, particularly with the fatty foods. Anything novel or new can cause it, but we want to be particularly careful with the fatty foods. Things that you might see if that were to occur, 
it's a very, very painful condition. And so the animals are restless and uncomfortable. You might see something called a bowing pose where the head and the arms are outstretched and down and their rear end is raised. It's trying to alleviate some of that discomfort. There are different ways that this can present from mild to severe, but a lot of the treatment revolves around making that animal comfortable. You might appreciate vomiting as well with that. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about the environmental hazards from things around the tree and decorations, and we talked about food. But sometimes people forget that the holiday season can just be kind of stressful for our pets. And, you know, we've got a lot of visitors coming and going. Maybe you're traveling and bringing your dog with you to stay with other people. And some dogs probably enjoy the hustle and bustle. They maybe really like having a lot of people come over. But we know, of course, that some dogs, they hear the doorbell ringing and they start barking, they get stressed out. Maybe they're not so comfortable with visitors. So we wanted to kind of end this holiday problems or (laughs) concerns episode to just touch briefly on things that might be stressing out your dog and how to help. So I think the main thing is Knowing your dog, right? We've talked a lot about knowing what they're comfortable with. And of course, you know your dog better than anyone else. So being aware of signs of stress in your dog. So that could be something as maybe trivial as like, they seem a little different, maybe less engaged, or it could be something more visible, like they're shaking in fear or hiding or trying to get away. So is this something people should talk about with their veterinarian? So it's definitely something you want to discuss before the event occurs. You know, we have so many people day before, day of, oh, now I need this right now. So coming up with a plan for around these different holidays is is really important. So knowing your pet, like you discussed, talking with your veterinarian, if you need to engage their specialists, trainers, behaviorists, what have you, it may involve medication. There are a lot of different routes to take depending on your animal and your situation, but it's definitely something to think about beforehand. I and mean, of course, sometimes we don't appreciate it. Maybe the first holiday with an animal or the first holiday under particular stresses with that animal and you live and you learn and you take it from there. But definitely having that plan in place previously is important. You know, I practiced in Manhattan around the holidays. We had a lot of travel. I'm a USDA certified veterinarian, so we had a lot of international travel as well, which depending on what country you may be going to, a lot of things need to be put in place prior to that trip. I mean, like you mentioned, you want to make sure the animal is comfortable with whatever travel method you may choose, car, flight, what have you, and then preparing the home that they may be going to or that they're in, who else they may be interacting with, whether it be a lot of family members or other animals that they may be presented to. So definitely want to work with your veterinarian to ensure. And as we've said before, you know your animals best, you know what they may or may not need. The holidays may be great for some of these guys. They may be really excited about all of that. Some of you listening, I'm sure, thinking the opposite. So making sure you have everything together and prepared is the best way to go. Okay, great. And I think some things to keep in mind too is like providing a routine for your dog, right? Like dogs like to have things happen around the same time. So make sure you're not lapsing on their daily walks or exercise. I mean, that's going to have stress reducing properties too. So we definitely want to make sure that they're getting that same kind of structure in their day so they know when to predict things. You can sometimes manage certainly letting your visitors know if your dog likes to be approached or how they like to be handled or to give them their space if they need it. Some dogs might need a safe room or to even be kind of sequestered away from a lot of the activity certainly depending on the dog and who's coming over and their dog experience. If your dog is crate trained, then that can be an option. But, you know, you don't want to keep your dog in a crate all day just because you have visitors. So, you know, it might be a case where they're better off in a room or just kind of having the control and ability to step away if they need to. And if you are traveling, making sure you're bringing their favorite things with them so they have those familiar smells and toys and things that keep them happy. 
The other thing that happens during the holidays is just it's getting cold. And that probably causes some stress for some dogs. It can change their routine. Some people do like to put clothing on their dogs, which I don't know. Does your dog like to wear like a jacket when he goes outside or? My guy does okay in the cold. He much prefers it to the heat. But as I mentioned, I grew up with the mini dachshunds. They got cold very quickly. So they have a wide array of clothing and outfits that we certainly put on when it gets cold outside. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they still got to go outside to go to the bathroom most of the time. So just being sure, like, does your dog need snow booties? Does your dog need protection from the rain or snow? But also being aware that some dogs don't like wearing clothing. And so they don't necessarily want to maybe wear a sweater inside the house, even if they need to wear a jacket outside. Maybe you can provide them with like a microwavable heating pad or bed that will keep them warm if you're concerned about that. And I think it's a great point, like working with a veterinary professional or a behaviorist, if your dog is having difficulty coping, obviously, again, planning ahead, you're probably not going to be able to get a trainer to come help your dog cope with visitors the day before the visitors are coming. But certainly if your dog does not have a great holiday season this year, you can start planning ahead for next year. And in the meantime, like I said, give your dog routine and play and safety is probably the best thing you can do if things are not going perfectly. I totally agree. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Nate. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope this has been helpful. And, you know, of course, if you have questions, you can always reach out to breederteam at gooddog.com. And we're happy to answer questions. We hope you all have a great holiday season, that it's safe and fun for you and your dogs. And we'll see you all in the new year. So thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of the Good Dog Pod. We are so happy we could have Melissa join us as well as the Good Dog Health and Standards team to chat about keeping our dogs safe this holiday season. From all of us at Good Dog, we wish you, your loved ones, and of course your dogs, a happy holiday and a happy new year.